Welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. I am so happy you're here. If you want to create a beautiful home that isn't cookie cutter or a trendy copy of someone else's, you're in the right place. And if you don't want to hurt your wallet or the planet to get one of those dream homes. And you can get started with my brand new quiz called Fix My Room. It's actually more of an assessment tool, but the word quiz, I think, sounds better because it's it's really easy to do. Just answer 20 multiple choice questions and you'll be pinpointing why your room isn't working, why it feels off, and why maybe your previous efforts haven't really panned out. Or maybe you're fairly happy with your room, but you want to make sure that your design choices are going in the right direction. Visit our website at slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the show. Now, let's dig into this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to Style Matters. I'm Karen. And I'm Zandra. You're now listening to the sixth season of our most favorite project ever, talking about why creating a home that inspires, comforts, and delights you is so important. We know you've been resonating with the guests on our show and feel equally passionate about creating a home you love. We really appreciate all of the reviews you've been giving us on iTunes. Please keep them coming in because they help other people find us. Now, let's get started with today's episode. Today, we're sharing another episode of On the LYC. You've probably already figured this out, but LYC stands for Little Yellow Couch, and it symbolizes everything we're about, making time to have meaningful conversations about creating a home you love while sitting comfortably in a beautiful space, or at least on an aesthetically pleasing piece of furniture. So what can you expect to hear on these kinds of episodes? Well, over the past few seasons, we've been collecting little bits of wisdom from the stylists we've had on the show, and we've noticed different design themes emerge. Starting in 2017, whenever we do an episode of On the LYC, we're going to dig deep into one of these themes. Oh, and if you're curious, you can see our aesthetically pleasing little yellow couch on the show notes page of this episode. Okay, let's get started. Our sponsor for this week's episode is Color House Paint. We first found them on Instagram at Color House Paint, and we're so impressed with their creative and fearless DIY projects. And then we got our hands on their paint. This company truly delivers an exceptional experience that will be unlike the other times you've painted a room. How? Well, first of all, you won't get a headache because their paints are extremely low odor. We love that. When applying their paints, you'll see that the finish goes on smoothly and covers well. So much so that we felt like we were applying liquid fabric to our walls. We don't know how else to describe it. Secondly, their palette is gorgeous. You are going to get richly textured, nuanced color no matter what shade you choose. And third, Color House is committed to finding a greener way, from recycled paint can labels to being manufactured in a lead gold facility. Color House is an eco-focused paint company founded by two women artists in Portland, Oregon. Color House is highly regarded in the interiors industry and has created exclusive lines for brands such as Crate and Barrel, 
Land of Nod, Serena and Lily, Rejuvenation, and more. To get started using the best paint you'll ever experience, go to colorhousepaint.com. This month's episode of On the LYC is all about figuring out what purpose your home is meant to fulfill. Kind of like writing a mission statement that reminds you what you're all about and how your home helps you achieve your goals. If you were to actually write one for a home, it would include who it serves, what it does for them, and the results these activities bring. And why bother with this? Well, we think there are so many things life throws at us. Challenges from work, our children, our partners, and extended family that we often put ourselves last and stop making our own happiness a priority. And since our homes are an extension of us, they are second on the list of things to neglect right after we've done neglecting ourselves. But just like our own mental health and peace of mind, the rest of our lives function better when our homes are set up to support our dreams. So just for fun, today we're going to go through our process of actually coming up with a mission statement. To do that, we decided to look back on what some of our previous guests have said about purpose and mission. Since we both believe that homes are about people who live there and not showcases for stuff you've bought, we love how Lisa Borgnes Garamante summed it up. She said, the purpose of a home is to foster the flourishing of art, ideas, and people. Well, that just takes things to a whole new level, doesn't it? Now my home isn't just a place where I eat, sleep, and throw my stuff. It's actually supposed to be an environment that fosters energy and creativity and great conversation. Now we've got the basis for a pretty awesome mission statement, (laughs) right? Yours might have different goals, so your mission statement will require you to think about what you want to make room for in your home, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And the more specific you can be, the better, including what's important to everyone in your family. Now, within your home, each of your rooms is probably going to serve a different purpose that supports your mission statement, and some rooms may have very different activities going on in the same place. For example, in my dining room, we play games as a family, we pay bills, sort through mail and paperwork, the kids do homework, and we eat both as a family and have friends over for meals with adults only. So my mission for this room is something like, I want to feel happy and relaxed with my family, feel productive and organized when I'm working, and feel like there's something special going on when we have friends over for dinner. Happy, productive, special. Those adjectives are a long way off from what furniture stores usually do to get you to buy a dining room set. They focus on matching your chair fabric to your drapes, which isn't tied to how you want to feel at all. Now, the truth is, sometimes the dining room table in my house becomes the place where all kinds of paperwork gets dumped. And for a few days, we push the piles to one end as we hurry through a family meal. And if the weekend is overbooked, we might make our friends sit on the living room chair holding their plates on their laps because there hasn't been time to clear the table. But that never feels very good. So for the most part, we do take into consideration what our guest, Eden Passante from Sugar and Charm, has told us. She said that style matters because it elevates the experience. And it's so true, even for the mundane moments. When the table is cleared for a game of cards, it's more likely that we're going to stay there and have a fun family night. We have a desk in the dining room specifically because that's where we handle paperwork. And when I actually keep it tidy, I'm more likely to feel like I'm on top of things. And whenever we take the simple steps to set the table with cloth napkins, flowers, and candles, we end up lingering there over dinner with friends long after the food is gone. So my mission for this room 
to be happy, productive, and feel special informs how I organize it, decorate it, and take care of it. Being conscious of these things and acting on them truly makes me feel good. I've got another example. In my bedroom, it's really important to me that I feel like I can close the door behind me and escape into a sanctuary. But because we live in a loft with an open floor plan, there isn't a separate space for an office where my husband can work uninterrupted. So we don't have a choice but to break one of those smart rules that says no computers in the bedroom. But at the same time, I really wasn't interested in having my bedroom feel temporary until we got a place that had a separate office. I mean, at first I was thinking maybe we wouldn't invest much in the bedroom because I wasn't sure how to deal with the fact that we might have an ugly desk in there. But this quote from Eddie Ross was a perfect reminder of why style matters. When we interviewed him a few seasons back, he said, when you use something every day that you love, it enhances your life. In the end, since our bedroom will be used every day, I didn't want to give up the feeling of pampering and luxury I was after. Given the fact that it was the only private space in the loft other than our son's bedroom, I knew the introvert in me was going to need a refuge. The mission for this room as a place where I can feel totally calm and content became as important as being a dedicated place where my husband can concentrate and be productive. So I was really challenged to figure out how to incorporate two seemingly opposite purposes, work and relaxation. But when I really focused on how each of us wanted to experience the space, a calm, content environment is perfectly suited to the peace and quiet needed to get some work done. When I think about it this way, our separate needs for the room are actually not polar opposites. This then led me to some key choices in how I've decorated. And we've made setting up our bedroom a priority rather than leaving it in boxes with make-do furniture. Investing in luxurious neutral bedding, curtains, and a soft rug are all calming and not distracting. We've chosen some artwork, and I've made a wall hanging that are both simple in their color schemes. Because we didn't want to invest in replacing everything at once, we kept an Ikea piece we already owned and added mid-century desk legs I found on Etsy. When Sandra saw it, she couldn't believe what a difference the legs made. She said something like, no offense, but it used to look like something you'd see in a college dorm room. (laughs) She softened the sting by telling me the legs now brought it up to her high standards. But maybe, most importantly, we've put together a desk that doesn't feel like it belongs in an institution. First of all, we decided to start with an old wooden drafting table from Jason Stays in Architecture School because we'd much rather have something vintage than something from an office supply store. Then Jason customized it so that it works as a standing desk, but we pulled in a bar stool from our previous home that allows some sitting too. I'm really, really happy in here, and Jason has just what he needs too. I feel safe, I feel like I can breathe, and I feel like it can restore my spirits. Okay, so how do we apply our mission statement to the actual design and decor of a room? Once you've taken a little time to describe in detail how you want to feel in a room and then go a little deeper by asking what those feelings will do to help you reach your goals, you've got your litmus test for what stays and what goes, what needs to be updated or painted or moved around and restyled. We've created a worksheet to go with this episode with prompts to help take you through the process of answering these questions. We hope this gives you a little inspiration to look at your home in a new light and maybe a little motivation to make some changes that you've been meaning to get to. 
We'll be back after a quick break. I just want to jump in here for a minute and remind you about the new free quiz that you can take at slowstylehome.com. It's called the Fix My Room Quiz, and I've created it because a lot of times when we're ready to change up a room in our homes, we get stuck not knowing where to start or what to do first. I mean, do you paint the walls? Do you come up with a different floor plan? Do you declutter first and then buy all new stuff? It's daunting. So the quiz is designed as a way for you to assess what's not working so that you're pointed in the right direction in terms of what to focus on. Everything else can kind of fall away. After years of helping others look around their rooms and identify the possibilities for big, impactful changes, I figured out how you can do this assessment yourself. The 20 multiple choice questions will ask you about how your room is functioning and how your style is developing. Then you'll receive a detailed summary from me about what you should tackle first. No more guessing and no more throwing money away or time. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. All right, let's jump back into today's episode. If you've already signed up for our newsletter, you will automatically receive the worksheet. And if you haven't, you can sign up now at littleyellowcouch.com and it'll come to you right away in your inbox. Okay, so before we go, we want to share each of our obsessions for this month. Karen, you go first. Okay, so I'm really excited to talk about this (laughs) because I have become obsessed with macrame. (laughs) And, you know, if you were born in like the – I was born in the 70s. If you were born in the 70s, 60s, 70s, maybe early 80s, I don't know. Yeah, 70s, I think. Mostly 70s. um, Macrame was all the rage. And I used to do macrame with my mom. I remember – we had this one piece in our house that looked like an owl, like holding onto a twig. Yes, I think I, think I even, yes, I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> everyone made the same exact macrame. I loved doing those kinds of crafts as a kid. And, and of course, I've grown to do, you know, all of those types of things in my own home now. But one of the things that I've been really excited about the new macrame that I'm seeing is that people are really putting a lot of heart and soul into these pieces. And so I actually, I went online and I went on to Etsy, one of my favorite places to go for when I sort of want to start a new craft or whatever, get supplies. And I looked into see if there were any patterns on there, sort of more modern feeling patterns. And one of the things that I like too is that a lot of the more modern macrame is being done with cotton rope instead of the um, old sort of nylon-y kind of ropes. And you can get ropes that are braided and you can get ropes that are twisted. And one of the things that people are doing with the twisted ropes is that they're unraveling parts of it. I really like this effect too. So anyway, so I found two places and we'll have links in the show notes page, but I found two places that are a really great place to start for your own little macrame journey if you want to go on it. (laughs) Um, And one is Home Vibes Macrame and the other is Reform Fibers. And again, we'll have the links in the show notes page, but both of these gals have some patterns available online. They also have all of the things that you need to get started. So I bought actually the jewel pattern from 
Home Vibes macrame, and I made that. And um, also in the show notes page, you'll see some pictures uh, of my bedroom that we just talked about, <laughs> but that also has this macrame piece in it. And she's really great. I mean, she has videos online as well that you can access to, you know, if you're confused about a certain knot or whatever. But once I finished that first project, I was like, I could totally do this, you know. Yeah. So now I'm now I've started with another piece. But I guess the other thing that I like is so the first piece that I made jewel pattern from Home Vibes Macrame, I really wanted a piece of driftwood to put it on. And I've just moved to a coastal town and it's of course the middle of winter. So I didn't know what I was thinking, but I was like, we were out for a walk and I saw that we were close to the ocean. So walked over and there is this like perfect piece of driftwood which I have to say is not this is still an amazing thing yes it's a coastal town but I go to Maine every single summer and I stay on the beach and I have never found one of these magical pieces of driftwood that everybody seems to have yeah well I don't know it was just sitting right there and and this isn't like a beachy area it's sort of like I don't know. The, well, it's like a working harbor. Yeah, and... it's it's near the harbor and it's no one, you know, lays out there. It's all rocks and everything. And there was that piece of driftwood, which I did the same thing I do when I'm in an antique store and find <laughs> an amazing find. I look around like someone is going to swoop in and grab this piece of driftwood away from me. Of right, course, I can't believe nobody else has claimed it. No, exactly. So then I like carried it around town into the cheese shop and wine <laughs> store, and, you know, but I was not letting go of this awesome stick. So anyway, that that I used to make that piece. And I think one of the things that I'm excited about is that as I'm settling into a new town, now I have this piece that I made with my hands with a piece of wood that washed into the shore near me. <laughs> like it just feels, I don't know, there's a, a real story behind this piece. And then this next piece that I'm working on that will hopefully be in the show notes page, hopefully be done by then, is made with a piece of driftwood from the beach house that my parents own. So again, that has this connection and ties in to some of my history and I don't know there's just something about any time that you make something really add something to your home yeah and you're putting your mark on it for sure exactly so anyway I, I know you're probably all seeing macrame all over Instagram and all over the web right now and I'm just telling you just just try it it's really not that hard and there's so many resources out there and it's just kind of exciting to get started on something and have this finished project. I did mine like all in one day, but I don't know that I recommend that. <laughs> I was a little bit obsessed. But you but you also, I mean, I would imagine it's rather calming and kind of meditative. It is. It is. Absolutely. It's a good rainy day project. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect for the New England winter. So. Yes. In <laughs> um, upcoming rainy New England springs. <laughs> Spend a lot of time indoors. So anyway... Sandra, okay. what is your obsession? All right. So I have been obsessed for a little while now about getting new rugs. I'm not in a hurry to replace anything, but I have been keeping my eye out. And especially after Karen got that amazing deal on her humongous Oriental rug for 300 bucks that we've mentioned before, I, I've been sort of wanting that same experience of like this amazing find. But anyway, so I was in Long Island this past weekend with a friend and doing some antiquing. And I came across this rug that had really cool colors to it. It had kind of a brown background, which I 
wouldn't necessarily be drawn to, but the the blues and the corals in it were really gorgeous. And it wasn't that big, so I wasn't sure if it was going to go in my den or my kitchen, but it was $270. And I thought that was a fairly good price. It's a little bit bigger than a three by five. And I talked to the guy for a long time and he told me it was a Caucasian rug, which I had never heard of. I didn't know what that meant. And he said, well, from the Caucasus, which I guess is, you know, sort of uh, old Russia area. So I bought it. And then I became really, really curious about its its history, I guess, because he said it was from this area that I I hadn't heard of when I thought of Oriental rugs. I think of them, you know, I think of Killams and Moroccan rugs, but not this Caucasian type of rug. So kind of on a whim when I got home, I decided to have it appraised online and which totally surprised uh, me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Why did it surprise you? Because I wasn't I felt weird when I was doing it. I was a little bit surprised myself that I did it so but I don't know why. So why did it why did it surprise you that well, I did I, it? I guess because you know you've sort of been hemming and hawing about what type of rug to get and for the size rug that you got, it was maybe a little bit more than I expected you would have spent. And right. so that you went right ahead into spending money on having it appraised. Right. Just surprised me. The the fact that you did something very quickly and with out of excitement doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but the, I don't know. I, yeah. I guess it was just, it was the cost. It was, I, I'm a cheapskate. I'm a total cheapskate. And so... Well, right. I think maybe what it was was that in the back of my in the back of my mind, it really wasn't perfect for for what I wanted. I bought it because I was fascinated by it, and because of this interesting history that I thought it might have. But it really wasn't the right size. I'm not a huge fan of the brown background, and so and of course the the, the antique dealer is saying what all antique dealers saying, which is, this is a great price. You, you know, this is, you're really getting a lot, you know, a lot for your money here. And, and, and I don't know, I just thought, okay, I want to find out how much this thing is worth and, and what the history is. So um, I found this uh, online rug appraiser. He, you give him specific photographs that he asks for and uh, that he gives you a written report. And so first of all, I found out that it was a Kashkai rug, which is apparently from Iran, um, not from Russia or the Caucasus at all. And it, uh, from the Fars province of Southwest Iran, that, that's what, that's what he, he wrote. You know, he talks about their wear patterns visible in the photographs and the cotton fringe has been added to the fabric. It wasn't original. And he says, it's a lovely example of the Kashkai tribal weaving. It's combination of spontaneous design and indigenous materials produces a unique fabric but it's in worn condition and here's a link to a retailer, blah, 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 blah. Then you get down to the price that the market <laughs> survey. So let's remember, let's review here. $270. Okay. Plus tax, 290. So 300 bucks. The market survey prices it at 1800 to $2,500. I feel like I'm on Antiques Roadshow. I, I, you know, like I kind of, that's the, actually, that was the first thing I did is I, I, I looked up Antiques Roadshow, like, how do you get on the show? But then, of course, I'm way too patient to try to get on the show. So, uh, I mean, impatient. And, and so, I, you know, I tried to find this online guy. And for 45 bucks, by the way, that's how much the appraisal cost. Um, so, anyway, I'm, I'm now I'm thrilled that I did that. And I'm 
actually considering selling it. Although it has it has found a lovely place in my kitchen. And my son, my older son, who's into design, really likes it there. So I don't know. But it is gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. it's cool. But yeah, that's that's really fun. I mean, I think, honestly, now that sort of makes me want to look a little further into some of the things uh-huh. that I own. So uh, yeah. it's kind of fun to to get the history behind something because there really is a long history to to a lot of these beautiful things that we're bringing into our homes. Yeah, yeah. And and I just, I always like to be a little bit more informed, you know, the fact that I know now it's from the southwest region of Iran and it's called a Kushkai uh, rug from the Kushkai tribal people that live there. I, I just... It does make me feel even more attached to it, which is why maybe I won't sell it. But I do think, though, that the reason why I cared about the price that it was worth was because I didn't absolutely love it. And so I it's like the price mattered more. Whereas if I find something I love that's antique, I don't really care how much it's worth. Right, that's right. just not top of mind. But so why did you buy it then? Oh, like because we're we oh. are constantly. I'm, I I'm know. hearing our listeners right now. Like, why did she buy it? Yes, she didn't love it. Like, I cannot what? tell you. There was something about the rug that I thought was fascinating. I well, first of all, I don't think I quite understood that it was too small for what I needed. Hmm. Even though I measured it and everything, I. I don't know. I just, it, it looked much bigger in the shop, probably because the shop is crowded with a bunch of stuff. But there was something about the, the blues and the corals. And I was really hoping that the blues and the corals would would work for me and kind of negate the brown. Right, right. So you sort of loved the piece. It was just, it just didn't end up working in the space, which happens right. sometimes. Which happens sometimes, yes. And and plus, I was obsessing. I've been obsessing for such a long time that I think I just was like, I'm buying it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure one of our other month's obsessions was you talking about rugs. It might have been. <laughs> it very well might have been. <laughs> it's all right. Well, stay tuned for next month when Xandra talks about her obsession about rugs. <laughs> At least I mentioned plants this time. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to go deeper with your own design goals, go to littleyellowcouch.com. There you can see the show notes page for each episode, read about our own design philosophy, and sign up for our newsletter. By signing up, you can expect exclusive content, updates on the show, and special offers just for our newsletter subscribers. And you'll get our free worksheet on finding your mission and purpose for your home right away. And if you haven't already, now would be a great time to rate us on iTunes. That way you'll help keep this podcast going strong. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.